Welcome to the RSP Cast Projection Series, part, I don't know, we're on the Chiefs and the Bolts. This is Dwayne McFarlane. I'm not, but hey, listen, I'll do the best I can here. Um, you know, let's just get into it. You know, we've got, you know, it looks like college football season is on life support at the very at the very um, least. Um, and, you know, certainly, you know, we could probably go two hours and talk about that. But anyway, you know, enough of that. We'll go just strictly to the NFL. The Chiefs, world champions, you know, Patrick Mahomes, MVP. You have a loaded offense and then you get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, and then you have Sammy Watkins, who resigned at a lesser price to um, or what seemingly would have might have been a lesser price if he got a if he went somewhere else um, compared to where you go. You still have Travis Kelsey back, you know, um, Damian Wilson, Damian Williams. He opts out um, Tardiff Duvernay or Duvernay, Duvernay Tardiff. I can't get him. I get him mixed up. Um, the kid Duvernay Tardiff. Duvernay yeah. Tardiff. There you go. He opts out. You know, so you're missing a left guard, possibly, who's a, a pretty darn good starter. You're missing a good back who could have possibly been a co-starter, um, you know, but you still have the all-world Patrick Mahomes. You still have the all-world Tyreek Hill, and you still have the all-universe Travis Kelsey. Um, so this is a fun team. Um, you know, Dwayne, how do we break this down in terms of what they did last year? And, and what that gets us into in terms of a conversation for for this year. Yeah, I think you set, you know, some of it up, you know, really nicely. Um, you know, one of the things I, I, I was looking at, you know, before the show, um, and obviously, you know, as we do these projections, it's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm looking at all the time. But it's interesting, you know, if you look at, you know, Andy Reid and, you know, just he's just amazing, like at how he adapts, you know, to his talent. And what he can do, um, he and Sean Payton, you know, both, they're really good at finding the right players that fit, you know, the other players around them, the scheme they want to run. Um, you know, I mean, the last two seasons, you know, having Mahomes, you know, he had tried to be a little more balanced before with Alex Smith, almost like he needed to, you know, supplement Alex Smith with, hey, let's give him, let's be a little more balanced. Let's run the ball, you know, a little more. Let's set things up with Mahomes. It's 60% pass, you know, in 2018, 61% pass in 2019, you know, but what's interesting is if you look at his stats inside the five, he knows what the running game means, you know, runs well over the NFL average from a standpoint of, you know, if you look at the plays, once he gets inside the five, you know, it's 55, 56, 57% running, right? And it's not, he doesn't pass the ball as much. So it's, it, he's just, he seems to be, you know, just like this, everybody else is playing checkers kind of thing. And he's over here playing chess. And now, you know, he's got, you know, the queen on the board that can go anywhere and go any way it needs to go. It can adapt, you know, live on the play. Um, it can do things others can't, you know, to unlock potential and the players around, you know, him and that's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, so it's, it's just fun, you know, to watch. If we look at it from a standpoint of projecting, you know, uh, obviously Vegas has, has their team and Baltimore, projected as the two highest win total teams right now at 11 and a half um, for both of them pro football focus and their uh, model has Baltimore at 10 and a half um, has Kansas city at 11.2. That's the, that's the highest last year. They won 12 games. So um, it's a team that play is going to get to play from ahead a lot last year. You know, they, their average margin of victory was 8.9 points. 
Um, what was interesting last year is while their their offense had been good in 2018, their defense actually improved last season. You know, they made you know some some key additions on defense, and they're a little bit more of a balanced team. You know, at this point. Um, but Andy Reid, you know, he just you know, like I said, I mean, he he just knows how to push the pedal down in certain places, and then he knows how to you know <laughs> jump off the freeway and take the you know take the you know side road or the back road like when he needs to. It's just you know the guy just has a knack for it. I mean, if you look at you know from a standpoint of passing plays, you know when leading, he's one of the leaders in the NFL. When they're tied, he's one of the leaders in the NFL. So I mean, he's always doing what the defense basically doesn't expect. Whatever the defense normal template is for what does a team do in this situation, he'll start doing the opposite, you know. And and again, he's got the captain on the field to execute now. So, you know, as I look at it, you know, Matt, I've got them set up for 950 attempts, you know, which is fairly low, but that's really the way Reed has been for a while. You know, um, if you look over the last, I mean, his attempts for his teams, 950, 970, 948, 958, 909, 913. He's one of those coaches that he lets his team get up to the line, get everything set up. They use a lot of the play clock at the line of scrimmage, you know, to make their, you know, adjustments and do all those sorts of things. So they don't run quite as many plays as some of the other teams, but they're hyper efficient, obviously. Um, so when I look at them, you know, 950 attempts total, you know, for the team, but I've got it. I don't really see a reason to veer off. I've got it at 60% pass, 40% run. So that's 570, 570 passing plays and 380 rushing plays um, on the season. Nice. So, you know, as I'm adding this up, because I, I think I have 900 and I actually have 955 plays for the Chiefs. Um, and then, you know, dividing that out, I'm at, yeah, I think I'm at actually about, Actually, maybe I don't have that right, but I actually have them at, let's see. Yeah, divided. maybe I have that pretty low in terms of running, which might explain some things for me, but I have a 34% run, <laughs> 66% pass. Um, so, you know, that that's a that's an interesting point right there in terms of something to, to consider for later. Um, that's but, where I would think they would be if you were looking at if you looked at dropbacks, right? Which includes sacks and scrambles, right? You would probably be along the lines of what you just talked about. True pass attempts, you know, getting rid of those things, you know, where they actually threw the ball, probably you know sixty percent. Okay, now let me. I didn't add Patrick Mahomes into that, so now when I add Patrick Mahomes rushes into that, actually I'm at sixty-one percent. Um, pass 39 percent run so all right i feel a little bit better there we go because i was like wait a minute that seemed a little bit low <laughs> um but yeah so you know it's interesting what you said you know in terms of the coaching staff and the quarterback when you have a quarterback like mahomes who who you described him as well as anyone could you know i i just joke basically from the John John um, Gruden QB camps like the, one of the last ones. I asked Patrick Mahomes why he did that, and he said because I can in that Texas draw that he has. And so whenever I think of Patrick Mahomes, I just think of because I can. I mean that's basically the first thing that comes to mind with him whenever I think of him. And it's like with Andy Reid, that's basically what he does. It's like I have the because I can player, so that means I can do pretty much anything I want. And the Chiefs seem to be an extension of Andy Reid in terms of like, what are we going to try this week? How are we going to do think, I mean, things? Mahomes last year was challenged, right, in a way where he hadn't really been in his career 
you know, collegiately or at the NFL level, which was, okay, now what are you going to do when you can't always just do because you think you can, right? Yeah. Because of the, the knee injury. He, you know, he had to play within, you know, a different set of rules for himself, you know, during that stretch of games as he, as he recovered. Um, and, you know, he was up to that task too, Yeah. you know? So, I mean, it, it's, he's able to adapt when he needs to. And he's obviously, you know, he's, he's mature enough to know what he can do. And I'm sure, you know, Reed's helping him. He's in his ear about that, but I just think that says a lot, you know, about yeah. him as a, a student of the game and an understanding of himself and what he's capable of. No doubt. I think that that's a, I think that that's absolutely true. And a lot of credit goes to Patrick Mahomes for that. And I'd say it also goes to Andy Reid in the sense that because Reid allows Mahomes to be who he is, but at the same time challenges him to grow in ways that he knows he can, and Mahomes knows that, he's he wasn't in a situation with an overbearing coach. So I think when Andy Reid probably says to him, okay, look, this is what's going to have to happen. Here's some of the things you're going to have to do. You know, I think Mahomes is going to listen to somebody more like that because he knows he wasn't being ramrodded into a situation. He was basically yep. trusted for who he is. And so when you're trusted for who you are, you're going to be more inclined to make mature decisions and think about others as well who have their best interests for you. So, I mean, with that in mind, I mean, starting off with Mahomes, I mean, listen, yeah. I, I have him at 582 attempts. 374 completions, 64.3% completion percentage. And then I have him at 8.22 yards per attempt at um, a total of 4,786 yards, 35 touchdowns, six interceptions. So 0.6 or 6% of his attempts will be touchdowns. I have him at 10, um, 1% of his throws will be interceptions. Um, I have 49 rushing attempts, 225 yards, two touchdowns. Pretty darn good year. Like second best out of the quarterbacks. And honestly, his upside is, you know, could easily be another 50 touch, close to 50 touchdown season um, with, you know, 5,500 or more yards. I could see him being the first guy to throw for 6,000 yards in his career at some point. Um, do I think it's going to be this year? Not with everything crazy going on in our, in our society and, and all the, all the changes that may happen, you know, in terms of people getting ill and then, or being placed on the list and watched and quarantined and everything going in and out. And the, the, the lack of continuity or cohesion that may be with the offensive lines early on. Um, but still to throw for nearly 4,800 yards um, in this kind of environment, if they have a full, we have a full season um, is pretty darn great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty close to you. Um, so I've got Mahomes at 570 attempts, 66% completion rate. So that's 376 completions. I have him at eight and a half yards per attempt. Um, you know, which is, you know, he's been right around that anyway. I've got him at 4,845 yards. Um, I've got him at 37 touchdowns. So that's a six and a half percent touchdown per attempt rate. Interceptions nine, which is a 0.015%. And then I've got him at 270 rushes or 270 rushing yards um, on 60 attempts for two touchdowns. Um, he's just, you know, he's easily, for me, he's the QB one just because 
I just like as much as I love Lamar Jackson and I love the legs and everything, I just feel like I have no questions about Patrick Mahomes. It's like it's just straight money in the bank. It's you know, with 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 Jackson, we can you know at least debate a few things. Um, I just don't think there's anything to debate, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think you're giving up upside either. It, it, would it surprise you if Patrick Mahomes outscored Lamar Jackson by 70 fantasy points this year? It wouldn't me like that's me in either. the range. So I mean, I just think it's it's an easy you know, uh, it's an easy if you're thinking fantasy wise. Obviously, you know, for me, he's the easy number one. Um, I took him in the Scott Fish Bowl, and I was elated because that's a that's a quarterback flex league, you know. So you have yeah. to start two. Um, so when I got to start with Mahomes at like pick seven, I think I w- or maybe I was pick six, but I was just elated. I was like, whoa, okay, okay. So um, in a league without duo flexes, I'm just curious. Are you a late round quarterback type of guy at all costs? Or when is it that you would say, you know what? I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes with this build. Yeah, I don't think it's a, I'm not a late round quarterback at all cost guy. I think every season is a little bit different, right? It's based on, you know, where the guys are going. It's also based on other things you may be trying to accomplish, um, you know, at other positions based on where the sweet spots are in the draft that maybe you think there's value at receiver or whether it be running back or whatever. I haven't taken Mahomes in a non-flex and a non-super flex, um, you know, league so far um, this season. Um, and really, my only reason, you know, is because in that third round, there's just a lot of other things I'm trying to do. And most of the leagues I play in, just to kind of be clear, you know, for folks listening, it's you know, uh, it's one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, and it's and it's tight end premium. Um, is, is typically the format I play in. And then you have two flex positions on top of that. So when you play in a format like that, where there's, you know, the two flexes on top of the two runners and two receivers, and you're dealing with tight end premium, I mean, you basically, you, you end up in a pinch one way or another. So if you take Mahomes, you have to wait pretty much on tight end. And the problem in that format is, you know, a lot of owners will take two or three tight ends before the 10th round. So, I mean, you can literally just be staring at the, you know, at the board going, okay, Jay yep. Sternberger, my starting tight end. I don't know what right. I'm going to do. I don't even know if you're going to be on the field. Yeah. So um, in that format, I've, I tend, you know, to wait, but there are other formats where if I was just playing in a typical league where all I had to do is start one quarterback, two receivers, two runners, and one tight end, no flexes, I'd be more willing to look at Patrick Mahomes in the third, because I think he has less questions, right? Then especially, you know, a lot of the runners you would look at in that round. But from a receiver perspective, man, there's just a ton of guys I love this year um, in that ra- in that range. So, you know, my draft target at, at quarterback this year, if he slides to the seventh round or later, is Dak Prescott. That's that's where I'm willing to do it because I, I feel like you know I'm getting a four round discount. Clearly, Mahomes is the better player, but Dak is going to be an elite offense. He's got elite weapons. You know, he's capable of putting up you know a top tier quarterback performance for the year. But outside of that, I'm typically waiting until the ninth, 10th, 11th round. I get Brady quite often. I mean, people just let him go to like the 12th round and I'm like, okay, I'll take Tom Brady with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rob Gronkowski. You know, I have no problem with that with a coach who likes to keep the pedal down and Bruce Arians. So that's kind of been my quarterback strategy, you know, overall yeah. this year. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think that's why I wanted to ask that question because really the answer that you said is exactly the way I think most people would benefit from playing is to determine what the best intersection of basically safety um, upside and value provide. And to me, it's like, okay, Patrick Mahomes is the safest player on the board for sure, but who's the safest 
of the early values? Well, I would argue Russell Wilson. You know, you can get him in the mm-hmm. sixth round. After Agreed. that, Dak Prescott is certainly 1A to Russell Will- uh, Russell Wilson. So you could, if you can get Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, you're feeling pretty good there. But to me, the two best like versions of like value and upside, you know, in terms of great value and upside are Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Like to me, like I know that people don't believe that Emmanuel Sanders is capable of being a thousand yard receiver again, which I think is insane, but you know, that all, all free money for me. That's all I say is because it's like Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the first receiver who can actually catch that. You don't have to say a prayer for when the ball's in the air that they've had in New Orleans who can play on the outside, like full-time yeah. on the outside. So that's going to open up everything for that offense. So, you know, Drew Brees from 2011 to 2016 pretty much was flirting with 5,000 yards or more and close to 40 touchdowns pretty much every year during that period of time. So to me, like if you're looking at, report, you know, the safest of the high upside guys at the with the round that he's in, he and Roethlisberger are kind of the two guys you're going to be looking at. And I would go with Breeze here just because yeah. of the experience of receivers. And then Brady, I mean, like, I laugh. Like, same with you. Like, to me, Tom Brady is, I don't think it's going to happen this year because of everything that's gone on in our society and all the uncertainty but and the lack of real practice opportunities that they've had. But next year... Next year, Tom Brady is going to be Peyton Manning in, in year two with the Denver Broncos. And if you remember Peyton Manning in year two with the Denver Broncos, then you remember how you won your fantasy league when folks like me and I'm sure Dwayne and other folks. I were, I had two top five finishes that year. Peyton Manning was on both of them, and I was hey, taking in the ninth and tenth round of every draft. Me too, and I was loading up on every receiver who was starting for the yep. Denver Broncos. I had him and Demari- we had him, Demarius, and uh, Julius Thomas uh, paired yeah. uh, on multiple of those teams. <laughs> yeah, I had I had Manning, Wel- I think it was Welker, Manning, Welker, and Decker. And it was like, that was great. It was, I was good yeah. to go. Um, so I think you, Tom Brady, this is the best Tom. You know, this is a chief. And show. here's the thing I'll say about this year though. Yeah. Think about if I do want to make a bet, like, like while Brady, to your point, what he could do next year, think what he could already do this year. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's going to work. He's like Michael Jordan. He takes it all personal. Oh yeah. He wants to outwork everybody yeah and he takes it he not that he needs bulletin board material to motivate him but he's certainly capable of doing it when he needs to and i'm just telling you man think about it who's probably practiced more with their receivers this off season even though that you know there were there were rules and things in place and they're supposed to be doing all these things i bet you tom brady has worked out more than anybody with his receivers oh yes and i agree with all that but see, the reason why I'm more a little more cautious about him not hitting that that record upside is because just listening to him, you know, in in the in press pressers and saying, listen, you know, yeah, I got to throw to them in shorts. He goes, but I really don't know who I'm going to trust until we get in the huddle and we're actually playing football. Um, the only one I know who he can do is actually Rob Gronkowski. So you know. Uh, these other guys I got to get to know. And it's not even just that, because you could look at that and say, oh, come on, that's fluff. They've worked, they you know, they understand what's going on. And you can say, yeah, th- there's some truth to that maybe. But to me, it's like, 
which offensive lineman's going to be missing due to COVID in week five? Mm-hmm. Which receiver's going to be quarantined in week four? Which, you know, which which one of the three tight ends that they have is going to be okay during this time? So I think all of those unknowns is what concerns me more than like whether he knows the yeah. offense. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm I guess at. the way I look at those, and yeah. tell me if you think I take it. I look at it a little bit differently. Okay. The way I look at it is every team has those same exact risk. Now, what's going to happen once the season starts, there will be clear winners and losers from COVID-19. We don't know who they're going to be. Right. But the way I look at it right now is it's, you know, it's just as likely to happen to anybody. So if I'm going to say that about Tom Brady, I've got to say it about Pat Mahomes. I got to say it about, you know, whoever else I want to say. So when I think about it, I agree where I agree is I don't think we'll see the points overall this year that we'll see next year from some of these quarterbacks, but if it's all relative, right, to each other, I still think Tom Brady has, you know, potential for, you know, a top six season relative to how everyone else also does. Oh, right, well, we're, we're in agreement. We're in agreement about all of that, yeah. actually. I, that's that's all I'm saying is I'm not thinking that he's going to have Peyton Manning record-breaking yeah, yeah, upside. Yeah. I'm told, but no one's going to. No, yeah. I think Tom Brady's going to be the third best quarterback. I project, I'm projected as the third most productive quarterback in, in, in football this year. And I'm just, I feel like I'm robbing him every time I get a chance to draft him. So anyway, back. Yeah, we're, 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 we're so aligned. Yeah. It's funny. It's, it's funny how many people don't want to hear that. You know, I mean, I've written articles about Brady um, and some people are on board, but everybody is pretty much, you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, people just are dismissing him. They're like, I too old. He can't throw anymore. He can't throw deep. You know, anyway. Yeah, you can't throw deep when you don't have an offensive line and an outside receiver. Like other than Josh Gordon, yeah. who played part of the year and he was hurt, and then they they let him go. So exactly. you know, when you can name for me someone who wasn't, I'm I don't even want to say the way I was going to say. If you can name for me a competent outside wide receiver played for the New England Patriots for the past two years, that's whose name isn't Josh Gordon, who wasn't yep. really yeah. better off inside, then you are making things up. So yep. yeah. So anyway, back to the Chiefs here, <laughs> where now that we've debated something that we both agree on to a, a great extent, I think we should, well, let's finish up the passing game here. I've got, you know, Tyreek Hill, listen, uh, he could have even higher totals. All these guys could have higher totals. To me, it's like Pat Mahomes is like the balloon that you can keep inflating and put more and more air into. And all that air is like stats and and. Um, production from the rest of these receivers because great quarterbacks are capable of being able to deliver to maximum capacity to the level of talent that they have around them. That's just how that works to me. So when you look at Tyreek Hill, I've got him at 117 targets, 77 catches, 1,205 yards, 15.6 yards per catch, nine touchdowns, 11 um, rushes 72 yards and a touchdown. He's one of the top receivers in the in the class. He could be the top receiver in the class um, in terms of um, this year. Fine. Sammy Watkins, this is where I'm more of a believer than anybody else. I think everybody else is like, Nicole Hardman, Nicole Hardman, Nicole Hardman. I'm not a Nicole Hardman believer. I'm, you know, I 
And I'm a guy who got to watch him a, a, a fair bit at the school that he was at. Nicole Hart, everybody's like, he's got so much promise and look at how many touchdowns he had last year. And, you know, he's fast, he's fast, he's fast. And I'm like, you know, speed is the cleavage of, of basically um, football analysis. You know, they people just can't keep their eyes off of it even when they know they shouldn't. So it's like, you know and and they're talking at the wrong direction instead of looking the person in the eye so when i think about you know sammy watkins he took a pay cut to he took basically a pay cut to renegotiate a deal to stay in kansas city he figured out his body last year and even though he did have a hamstring issue it wasn't a foot issue which has been the chronic thing that plagued him he finally figured out how to work he talked about how he did that. You know, the staff talked about how he was. They were happy with him there. And he had a great postseason. Like, so, y- you know, you're going to, like, say, oh, that was a fluke? No, 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 no. So I have Tammy Watkins at 120 targets, 69 catches, 950 yards for 13.7 yards per catch and four touchdowns. Um, and, yeah, four rushes for 32 yards. So Sammy Watkins, to me, is the second leading wide receiver um in the passing game this year and he's so flexible in terms of what where you could use him you can use him everywhere Mahomes had a good rapport with him he disappeared some last year but again it was his first year he did have a little bit of injury he came on at the end Demarcus Robinson listen you can get Sammy Watkins for free you can I get him in every draft I get him in Dynasty. I get him in Redraft. He is free. He is, I'm, this is free money Sunday for us right now in terms of what we're talking about. It's unbelievable how much people have just written this guy off. Demarcus Robinson, I'm writing him off. Okay, like he's okay. In this offense, he's going to get his occasionally. They'll, they'll be a wide open look. He'll make the play. Maybe he'll get something out in the open field, you know, between cover two where he cuts in between the safety and the corner and does his little dipsy do that he does. It looks good. Everybody gets all excited. And five games later, they wish they never picked him up. So I have met 26 targets, 14 receptions, um, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. It's pretty darn low. Um, Byron Pringle. That's my guy. Now, I don't think that he's going to be... waiting on the Byron Pringle alert. Yeah, Byron Pringle alert. We're still... I'm still riding Byron Pringle because if Sammy Watkins gets hurt, Pringle's going to be the guy you're going to want to pick up. I'm not drafting Byron Pringle, but as I've written tonight for something that'll be out this week, Byron Pringle's that guy that you want to monitor off the waiver wire because you're going to get starter skill from him. This is a guy that went from being basically an all-Big 12 receiver and returner out of Kansas State... Um, who had a little bit of hand issues, a little bit of route issues in terms of just lack of refinement, in terms of technique, and came in and still impressed as a rookie despite those things, hurt himself, ended up on injured reserve, came back in the next year, you know, 2019 summer, bought, you know, refined his training, was, you know, ready to go. He, his routes looked better. His hands were much better did well in the preseason then Sammy Watkins gets hurt in a game they put him in the Colts game on a Sunday night and him and 
Patrick Mahomes looked like they had three years worth of rapport. And basically, Mahomes went to him over and over and over again. He looked good after the catch like he normally would when you think of a big, big-time punt return specialist. And some of the Chiefs people, like I think Arrowhead Report or um, whoever the beat writers are there, they believe he's the second-best route runner on the team at, at the X position behind um, Sammy Watkins. So... I think that if Watkins gets hurt, Pringle could really have a big year. And I honestly think Pringle's the type of player that if they let him come in ahead of Demarcus Robinson, um, Demarcus Robinson's going to be angry about the payday he was looking for in 2021. Um, so I have Pringle only at 15 catches, 77, um, 15 targets, seven catches, 98 yards, and a couple of touchdowns. Um, but I think that his upside is much higher than that. So keep that in mind. Nicole Hardman. 51. You hear this typing noise, Matt? Yeah, that's me. I'm 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 I'm, I'm writing my uh, Pro Football Focus Wide Receiver Tears article tonight, and I'm looking at my young stash options, and I just had to make sure that I added Byron Pringle. See, there the you go. So. See, see, I'm glad I can help. So, <laughs> so you help me out a lot. So I think I'm glad I can do. I can contribute some myself. So I've got him on my list. I've got him on my depth chart. I just didn't have him in my article. I'm like, damn it, I got to get Pringle in there. Yeah, he's you know, yeah. I mean, you know, he he's not a draft. He's not a guy you draft, but he's certainly a guy yeah. you want to watch. Nicole Hardman, listen, I love. I love what he can do as a deep threat. But again, when Tyreek Hill was out and he was in there, he was still inconsistent. He had some good weeks for sure. Um, He's a big play option. He's not a great route runner. He's not a great guy at the catch point. He's not going to, and that's not something you're going to get better at. Tyreek Hill, when he was, when he was still like a running back running around as a wide receiver in the way that I've heard Lance Erline describe Duver, Devin Duvernay, um, you, you know, I, Nicole, you know, Tyreek Hill could still go up and win the ball and you go, did I just see a flash of Steve Smith in that guy's game? You, you know, and then he learned to become a great route runner or a much better one. Nicole Hardman's going to learn to become a decent route runner, but he doesn't have the catch point skills of Tyreek Hill. Um, and until he shows that he's the that he's learned to become the route runner that Hill is, and what Hill did to develop was rare. Like how fast he developed from year to year, I thought was rare. Um, it's almost as stunning as what DJ Chark did from rookie year to second mm. year. So yeah. I'm I'm a little more cautious about Nicole Hardman to put all that into perspective. I've met 51 targets, 32 receptions, 487 yards at 15 yards per catch and five touchdowns. Still a good number, you know, a good good production for him, but I don't see him as the breakout guy everyone else does. And then I'm just going to mention this guy because since we're going to go deep, I'm not going to I'm not this is not a guy you draft. This is not a guy you're probably even going to expect for the waiver wire, but I'm going to bet that Felton Davis out of Michigan State makes the team. Felton Davis, who had, an, I believe, either an ACL tear or an Achilles tear um, as senior year, he was the best tight coverage catch point receiver of his class in 2019. He was, I mean, literally like, I may, I think I made something up in the RSP that like if there was like, if they decide to scrap the Pro Bowl like they should and just like have contests, you know, um, like the all-star contests they do, they could have like a tight coverage, you know, kind of like 
contest with catching the football and I would put, you know, we could take like Larry Fitzgerald and Brandon Lloyd and Paul Richardson and all the great players, Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, all those guys who were really great at it. And we could take, you know, young Felton Davis straight out of Michigan State and put him in there and I would put money on him as a dark horse to win it. That's how good he was at the catch point. So I, you know, I'm just making having to make the team, but we'll go to tight ends, and then we'll get, and then we'll hear from Dwayne about his his view of this receiving core. Look, Travis Kelsey, he's gonna be he's gonna be the leading target getter on this team. I have him at 136 targets, 93 catches, 1187 yards, nearly equal to Tyreek Hill in terms of yardage, and at 12.76 yards per catch, which is pretty gross in terms of <laughs> what it teams feel like probably when they allow a tight end that much yards per catch and seven touchdowns. You know, if not the best tight end in, you know, in terms of fantasy this year, he's one of the top two, you know, or top three if you're going to add Zach Ertz in there for whatever reason or, or you know, anybody else that's your favorite. But he and Kittle are the, the class and of of the NFL right now. And it's just so much fun to be able to watch him. And then you have, you know, you have Ricky Seals Jones and Dion Yelder. And I think Dion Yelder could end up being the better player as he continues to grow. But they got Seals Jones because they know what he can do in open zones. I have one of them getting 25 targets for 12 catches, 164 yards, and a touchdown. I haven't given either of them that number yet. I've just put them with blanks there. And that number in an empty spot <laughs> saying whoever get, kind of, I think, wins that job is going to get that. So that's where I'm at with these receivers. What about you, Dwayne? Yeah, I mean, just one thing to hit on, you know, real quick that kind of ties it back to what we talked about at, at the first, um, at the start of the, this segment, right? Which is really, you know, the combination of Patrick Mahomes with this talented group of receivers plus Andy Reid. And I just I wanted to go back and look at this and make sure I was remembering it right before I quoted it. But if you look at how often Patrick Mahomes threw to an open receiver, which is defined as two steps greater than two steps of separation. Okay, that's how Pro Football Focus describes it. Fifty nine percent of his throws were to an open receiver. The NFL average is fifty two percent. Wow. So it's plus seven percent. Like that is tells you like what the combination of talent because think about it, Kelsey plays against linebackers and safeties that don't know what to do with him. Tyreek Hill, right? Nobody knows and, what to do with him. Exactly. I mean, and then you pair that, you know, like you talked about with Watkins, you you mix in some hard men, especially when everybody's trying to deal with that. And like last year, the, a lot of those, you know, some of those touchdowns to Hardman, it's just like that's like nobody's covering Hardman. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like, I mean, and Mahomes sees it immediately, nails him. And obviously, once Hardman has the ball in his hands, we know that that, you know, he's gone. You're not going to catch him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. I know we're already past the. No, no, no. I was just waving bye bye. I wasn't saying, no, yeah. we're good. Oh, no, no. I know you weren't. Yeah. The, the, the 7% above, like, that blows my that blows my mind. That's a really, really big uh, advantage, you know, for, uh, for Mahomes. And, They're you know, blowing the curve. Again, exactly. So, the way I have this team, and I'm just going to break it down by you know how I have the order. Um, I've got Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey tied. 
you know, basically for 131 targets, that's 22.5%, you know, for each of them. Um, so that's 88 catches for Kelsey, 85 catches for Hill, um, 1,106 yards for Kelsey along with nine touchdowns, 1,363 yards for Tyreek Hill at 16 yards per catch and 9.3 touchdowns. The crazy thing about Tyreek Hill that he gets from playing with a player like Patrick Mahomes um, is that as he works his way downfield where most most players, their catch rate dr- dramatically dr- drops, right, the further you go downfield. Because, A, you're more likely to be in, you know, you're more likely to have two players in coverage. You know, if you're on the outside going downfield, there's typically going to be a safety helping and you're dealing with a cornerback. Right. Whereas, you know, in, in other situations when you're working underneath and the safety's dropping, you know, you may just be dealing with one player. Plus, quarterbacks obviously are more accurate the shorter the throw. So with Hill, though, what's amazing is the fact that, you know, he can still post these 16, 65 percent catch rates. Now, he doesn't go deep all the time. You know, his his average depth of target isn't, you know, 15 or anything. He gets used everywhere. But even on those deep throws, his catch rates are really high. And so it's just again you know it's it's the perfect match of Mahomes with Hill with the scheme and the mismatches that it creates and the bind that it puts defenses in because normally if you've got you know a player like Hill um you know I'm I'm projecting them you know 60 percent catch rate right you know and he's at a 65 percent catch rate and that's a lot obviously to do with Patrick Mahomes and his ability to hit all areas of the field so I've got Tyreek Hill as my number three uh fantasy wide receiver in PPR formats I have Travis Kelsey as my number one tight end um, I, have, I have Kittle in the same tier, um, you know, with Kelsey, but I still have Kelsey as number one. In my opinion, Kelsey's young enough and he's still in a great situation. You got to knock him off, right, before I'm just going to, you know, I know it's cool to kind of jump ahead and be like, oh, Kittle's going to be it this year. I just, they're still so close and Kittle's great, but they're so close. I'm kind of like, unless Kelsey was like 35 or something, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't just give it you know, to Kittle. I got no problem with somebody taking Kittle over Kelsey. I'm not going to be, you know, upset. I just think you're taking, you know, when you take Kelsey, I, I like the quarterback play, you know, better. You don't have to be a great quarterback. You don't have to have a great quarterback to score fantasy points, but this is an elite offense, right? This is very different. And I think the 49ers have more potential to see some dip in their offensive performance than Kansas City does. Yeah, I mean, the 49ers Jimmy, were, were, were highly efficient. I love Kyle Shanahan, but there's a lot of unknowns still around Jimmy Garoppolo, right? There's still a lot of unknowns. Okay, well, can Brandon Ayuk come in in the early part of the season and take pressure off of Kittle? What's going to happen when everybody focuses on Kittle? You know, last year during the playoffs, Kittle was the focal point of defenses, and teams were able to take him away. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah, and that's not that's not the case with Kelsey. I mean, I have Kelsey 13 points ahead of Kittle as the number one guy and the big factor in that is like you said is i mean listen you know jimmy garoppolo is off the diaper stage of being a pro quarterback but he still has to be reminded sometimes on long trips that he shouldn't drink too much water before they get in the car so i i would say that when it when it comes to just the maturity the connection the rapport the the poise that you're looking for you've got to give that to the the, the mahomes kelsey combination you know if Kittle were in in Kansas City I'd put Kittle over Kelsey I agree yeah, yeah that that could do it but for me I mean yeah when you think about it I've got I've got San Francisco at 517 passing plays yeah. right I've got Kansas City at 570 that's almost that's basically a full game worth of additional plays yeah. to this team so while I have Kittle 
getting slightly more target share on his team because like, he's clearly the one like he's a, he's the number one. Whereas, you know, Kelsey's going to split that with, you know, Tyreek Hill and some of these other guys a little bit more. But when you factor in Mahomes and you factor in all the additional passing plays, they're probably going to have versus what San Francisco is going to have. I mean, it just, you know, swings me back, you know, to Kelsey and they're both, you know, they both get targets inside the end, you know, they get end zone targets, you know, both of them have rack ability. I'd probably give Kittle, you know, a little bit, you know, more of an edge there, right on that run after the catch because sure. he's he's very special there. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, where I've got you know the rest of the team, I did want to just chat with you for a second. You know, I mean, you heard why I have Kelsey and Hill, and so I think part of you know, and you know me, I love Sammy Watkins too. You know, I've been a Sammy Watkins truther for, for so long. I think my first article I ever wrote for your site was about Sammy Watkins. I think so. Um, and so, I think. And I get it from people and because I'm kind of there, too. I think the deal with Sammy Watkins is um, and maybe this this can be flawed thinking for sure. But I, I think the real issue that people look at is, OK, Sammy Watkins has been in the league for six years. You know, last year, he had if you adjust for his games, he missed. He averaged 17 percent of the targets the year before that 15 the year before that 14 percent. So, I mean, you know, and then you got to deal with injuries, you know, 14 games played, 10 played, 15 played, eight played, 13 played. So, I mean, he's, he's, he pretty much misses games almost every year. Um, and we just, you know, we, I think the other part is when you're really, when you're somebody that people are super high on for so long and they see the talent, but then it doesn't pay off. I think it's this something mental that makes people say, I'm done with you because they feel like it's almost personal, right? Versus other guys that are still coming up, it's like, it's the hope. It's the hope of, oh, Miko Hardman, maybe he could, we thought Sammy Watkins two years ago could get 20% target share and you just get 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. And he never did, but maybe now, you know, Hardman can. So I think there's like some psychology going on and I, and I get it, but I think there's some truth to it, right? That, that Watkins just hasn't been able to carve out a very big role in this offense. Um, and, and again, he's got some really good players on the team for with him, with Hill and Kelsey. That's no ordinary combo, right, of guys that, you know, are getting a little, you know, are getting more love than you. So I can understand that. But for me, like I've got – I do have it moving to more of a balance. I have Sammy Watkins slightly ahead of Hardman at 14% of the targets. But I have them finding ways to get the ball in Hardman's hands. You know, I've got him at 12%. You know, um, so now neither that makes neither one of them, you know, something that I want to draft early. I usually get Watkins and not Hardman because Watkins is free, right? right late in draft. So I'm drafting him. I'll take I'll take a receiver on Patrick Mahomes' offense that I'm fairly certain is at least a starter. He's going to be on the field in, in, you know, round 17 of a 20 round draft. I mean, I'm signing up for that quite often. Hardman, I've taken a couple of times just because I want exposure across my portfolio, you know, because I draft a lot of teams and you know, I don't want to miss. Um, but from an odds perspective, if I was drafting one team today, I probably wouldn't pay a ninth round for Nicole Hardman. I'm only paying that, you know, whenever I see him slide to, you know, that eighth, ninth round and I feel good about my roster construction. I'm like, you know, I'd like to have McCole Hardman on five to 10% of my teams. It's still not crazy expensive, but there's some drafts where I see the guy go in the seventh round, the sixth round. And so, I mean, that's the earliest I've seen. Um, so, I mean, people are getting super hyped on McCole Hardman, um, you know, and, and I get it, but I think there's some psychology at play, but I would say how many, how many targets did you have Watkins at again, one, Matt? 120. 
Yeah. I mean, that would by far, you know, be the most that he's had as a chief. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, to answer your question, I'll say this, you know, I mean, I know it wasn't really a question, even though you started it as a question, <laughs> you know, but I think I know where you're going with that is I'll answer your question with three players, Tyler Higby, Devonte Parker, and Mark Ingram are, are basically three players that you can name that people gave up on early and, and, and early meaning that not early like in the way that people gave up on Ronald Jones after one season. I mean, like they had reason to give up on Tyler Higby, Devonta Parker, and um, Mark Ingram after all the years of injuries or issues or just not performing. So to me, I think it's just one of those deals where, you know, if, if Sammy Watkins were still, still had like a sixth or seventh round or eighth or ninth round ADP, I wouldn't be recommending him at all, you, you know, for, you know, but for as the fact that you can get them at the end of your draft to, and, and when I look at the reasons, then, you know, the, in terms of projecting, when I look at the reasons, I just think that if the chiefs didn't want him, even if he said, look, I'll take a lesser deal, they would have let him walk if they were so confident in Nicole Hardman. That's what I'm thinking on the one hand, they'd be, you know, they know that, Sammy Watkins can play Tyree Kill's position. He can play Demarius Robinson, um, Demarcus yeah. Robinson's position. He can play Nicole Hardman's position. He can do it all. They know that. He even and the reason he got hurt wasn't for the reasons that he always got hurt. So that's actually kind of a positive that's hidden from a lot of what people saw. And then you have the postseason production and how he came through and was relied on in the biggest moments. You know, it's like, oh, it was just the postseason. What are you talking about? It's just the postseason. I've heard people literally say that. It's like, you know, it's not like that one game where the guy who's the chronic underachiever woke up on the right side of the bed on Super Bowl Sunday and the ball landed in his hands and he couldn't not catch it and, like, score the winning touchdown. Like, he made plays over and over and over again. And he whooped the tar out of Jalen Ramsey in the opener. I mean, like... He whipped Jalen Ramsey on some plays. You don't, you do not throw by the best cornerback in the league, the most physical cornerback in the league, the way Sammy Watkins did without having like worked on your game. I mean, listen, DeAndre Hopkins, like during the their feud, you know, in the AFC South, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was trying to mug Jalen Ramsey and it wasn't getting it done in the way. And he had a, he had some great moments with, um, Ramsey, but the way that Watkins made a fool out of Ramsey on, you know, and again, it was one play in particular, but he had a good week that week, and, and it was in the opener. I just look at this, and and I just think that the Nicole Hardman thing is like, okay, prove to me that you're a good wide receiver, and not just a guy who's going to occasionally be like the ice cream truck that comes through the neighborhood and you know plays the music and all the kids run over and you never you don't see the ice cream truck again for like a, you know two summers you know basically you know that's that's to me Nicole Hardman right now is like it's unfulfilled promise whereas with Sammy Watkins people say oh it's unfulfilled promise and I go no it's just it, it hasn't it, it's a little finer of a line. It's like, oh no, you've seen him do all the things you need him to do right. you, to be yeah, a good player. You've seen him execute the things you need to do. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy or hasn't been able to, for whatever reason, be maybe super consistent. Yes. Some of those things. Yeah, exactly. So to me, it's like, 
if I'm choosing between the two, I understand your point of view completely. Like you want to kind of have, you want to uh, occasionally have some investment in Harden because of the number of leagues you play in. But if you're, you're kind of more playing in, you know, a few leagues and you're just like, I, you know, I want to get the best option of the two. I, I think, you know, that's my argument for Sammy Watkins. No, and I agree. I mean, I think when you factor in their ADP, it's easy to lean to Watkins. I mean, I basically, I've got them really even, you know, I've got Watkins at 14% of the targets, 12% for Hartman. Um, so I've got, you know, 80 and 68 on targets. And then I've got 50 catches for Watkins at 700 yards, four touchdowns. I've got Hardman at 43 receptions for 720 yards, you know, 17 yards per reception, you know, and four touchdowns. So I have both of them as being guys that, you know, are clearly kind of, uh, you know, really one, one a and one B or are Hill and Kelsey. Right. And this yeah. is almost like a three, a and a three B, right. There's not a two, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that's really where I have the two, but to your point, uh, where I, why I do draft Watkins quite often late is a, he plays on, he plays with Pat Mahomes in elite offense, but what you said, I, and I, I really like the way, you know, you put it, his versatility that he can play any of those roles. You know, so if anybody else goes down, he can play those roles. I think the other reason people get down on Watkins is because last year when Hill was down, he didn't do a lot. You know, but everybody thought, oh man, I finally, I own Watkins. Tyreek Hill's going to miss whatever three or four games, you know, after Ramsey slammed him to the ground. Um, you know, speaking of Ramsey, just throwing people around, that's what he did to Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the other thing. They're probably getting people's heads, but I'm totally with you on the whole. Uh, if, if I got a make a recommendation if somebody's drafting one team tomorrow and I know they have whatever 15 rounds I'm way more likely to tell them draft Sammy Watkins in the 15th than say grab McCole Hartman in the 8th that was a fun discussion of the Chiefs passing game we're going to split this podcast into three parts so stay tuned for the next portion which is going to be Dwayne and I debating Clyde Edwards Hilaire and his value in fantasy drafts as well as, really more importantly, his value on the field this year. And then we'll also have a part three to this conversation that will cover the Los Angeles Chargers offense. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, rate and review it. You can send me feedback at mattwaldmanrsp at gmail.com. And be sure to download the 2020 Rookie Scouting Portfolio. We'll be having updates to the three-year rankings um, in mid-August, mid to late August, depending on you know training camp and how things go. Um, but it's a wealth of information. should be great for your dynasty leagues as well as a lot of your redraft formats, um, finding those waiver wire prospects, um, those rookies who people may have discounted, as well as the fact that uh, we may have a lot of replacement players at certain points this year. So I would say uh, it's going to be very valuable to you for those of you playing fantasy this year. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.